Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our concepts edition for the week. I'm Devin Bedoni of Lycan Precision. And I'm Uriel Eisen of Austere Manufacturing. And you have an amazing quote for today. Oh, yes. There's nothing so useless as doing something efficiently that shouldn't be done at all. From Drucker, uh, quoted in Designing the Future. Whoops. <laughs> Excellent quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a slight modification to it. Um, I mean, both quotes are excellent, but I think you can replace efficiency with like uh, refinement, mm-hmm. like doing something like to a high degree of fidelity, like a high fidelity mm-hmm. prototype or anything else before it's proven to be needed at all, which is yeah. super easy also. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like we've fallen into this trap for sure in the shop, like if making systems efficient that don't belong there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just, I think it's sort of easy with sort of um, like two second lean or I mean, whatever method of finding waste and eliminating it. Yeah. I think it can be easy to sort of be in the trenches a little too much sometimes. Yeah, you just like kind of like keep repainting the house a different color instead of being like this foundation needs to get torn out. Yeah, it's like it, it gets into the like the um, what is it operation? What is that operation focused process blind? It's not focused, but that that quote operation sensitive. Yeah, process yeah. blind. It's like you get in the operation and you refine it, but meanwhile that operation is not useful at all. Yeah. And it's just making up for some other like defect you're creating or something else. Um, It reminds me sometimes of like a hoarder house mm -hmm. and there's like these, you know, very refined pathways between all of the trash. Right. When you're like, actually you just need to get all that trash out of there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to sweep. (laughs) Sweeping is not the thing you need to do. Right. Yeah. Sweep to shovel. Sweeping your corridors. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and not noticing the fact that you have to walk through two extra rooms because right. those rooms are full of junk. Right. Not the yeah. yeah. Um, also, so we've been, uh, well, we renamed from con bunny. Oh, ah. that, that site does redirect still, but, um, to Arda, to Arda. Um, so Arda.cards. Anyway, as part of that project, Curious. I think I haven't actually tested it. Yeah. Here we go. Live. Arda.cards. Arda.cards. Um, not secure. Excellent. <laughs> well, <laughs> fire off a quick text and get that fixed. Um, anyway, that was a, a thing we did this morning, so evidently not finished. But Wait, um, is this you? No, this is not you. Very curious. <laughs> Let's try again. We're gonna. We're just going live. Trying it live here. Um. Anyway. And that's not better. Um, so <laughs> we've been talking to a lot of different companies, mm-hmm. which has been super interesting and just a real reminder of like what an echo chamber we have existed in for the past year and a half or two years. You and I specifically. Yes. Yeah. And everyone listening to this. Probably. Everyone listening to this. And then everyone we sort of talk to about this stuff Yeah, is like, I don't know that I have any friends who don't really know about like the Toyota production system, you know, cause whenever I talk to them, I'm like, yeah, I'm about this. I mean, that's probably a lie, but, um, anyway, uh, it's been really interesting. Like it sort of has reinvigorated my interest uh-huh. a little because I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in, um, I don't know, like just 
you can see how far you need to go and how imperfect things are. And then you're also simultaneously still trying to make money and run a business, which is hard. Mm -hmm. And you're not just like instantly crushing it, right? It's not like, Oh, I just read the Toyota production system and did a month of improvements. And now we're like 500% more efficient. No. Yes. Um, and on top of that, even if you were five, like you 500 X to your production, which we kind of did over the last few years, that comes along with a lot of new challenges. So it's yep. not just like instant win. Right. But then talking to all these people, you're kind of reminded of like more where you started, even in just awareness. And uh -huh. that's been um, fun and interesting and a little exasperating sometimes. <laughs> like, so we've been talking about like the reorder process that people use now and people will describe this very time consuming process and then just be like, yeah, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is it though? <laughs> like you're telling me that you're like pretty, time constrained and i think it makes me think of like the ninth lean waste of chaos yeah where because there's no system there's not like an awareness of like if you systemized 80 percent of the stuff because yeah. a lot of people do have edge cases i'm sure you do i do right sure. of like stuff you order that's like we probably could make a kanban for this but every time we change who we order it from or i don't know whatever yeah. like we don't kanban like pizza for an office pizza party <laughs> Right. Like we just order it. So like there are edge cases. Um, but like I, I remember a, a piece of I forget which book Shiji Oshingo um, talking about like a machine that spit out these parts that were punched out of a sheet uh -huh. and the parts didn't fall out of the sheet uh -huh. after being punched. And so they had two people there. Yeah pulling the parts out and he was like why don't you have a machine do that and they're like well we tried but the machine only got you know always left like one or two in the sheet yeah and he's like great <laughs> go get the machine <laughs> and then he had one person there instead of two yeah. taking out that one to three pieces right. that the machine missed yeah and that was sufficient and so like it just feels like people just live in this and i'm sure i do too in some areas of the business oh i can think of one very specifically is email campaigns like it starts to feel really hard to sort of separate like, okay, what are the groups of people who I want to email? And then what do I want to email them? And how do I want to configure that email? Mm -hmm. And you basically get back to like, Oh, it's impossible for me to make this more efficient because every single relationship is unique. And I want to say to them like, you know, this and that, and I want to, and, but like realistically, it's probably like, yeah, maybe there's a greeting little three lines that you want to hand, right? Yeah. But probably the rest of it for 80% of your emails could be identical right but like it's really hard to take that time to spend like to spend that time to really drill into it yeah and i think before you sort of like uh raise your awareness sounds maybe a little pretentious but like once you start looking for waste everywhere like i think your confidence that you can eliminate a lot of waste goes up even if you can't see a path there yeah Another thing I've been thinking about on the ordering front, because this is also something we've been working on yeah. actively recently, is like there's the time savings, and I think those are real, mm -hmm. though I'm sure that some people get very efficient at their jobs, and probably if you were to like... You They're know, doing something very efficiently that... <laughs> Or whatever, yeah. It doesn't like, need to be, yeah. I think it does, it does, like, right, the stuff needs to get ordered. Yeah. Right. The fact that a person is dedicated to doing that, questionable. Yeah. Um, but if you're, like, myopically focused on the act of ordering and maintaining inventory. Right. I think some people have a strong argument that they do a very good job, right? Yes. But I think as soon as you 
broaden your scope beyond just the act of ordering to all of the the knock-on effects of ordering um it starts to become a very different picture like we're dealing with this right now and i'm looking at the system and it's not necessarily uh gonna be 100 percent faster to place an order i think right. it will in most cases but our primary motivation is like i don't want to ever be out of a tool that we need Right, because those right. it needs to be super reliable. It needs to be ultra reliable. Yeah, and then secondarily, I want to have a system where somebody can come in on their first day and yes. maintain tooling inventory. And okay, that yeah. seems like those are where the real wins are. Is like totally. whole system efficiency. 100%. That now you don't need uh, <clears throat> somebody who with a high degree of knowledge about what they're ordering to do the ordering for sure, and the system as a whole runs without running out of its critical pieces. Right. And like that stuff, people have zero awareness of the craziest one is like, I'll talk to people and they tell me how good they are at their job, which is like, I'm sure you are like stepping past the fact that like, why get good at that job? Sure. I mean, it's cool. Like I was actually talking about this, like I'm pretty dyslexic and I sort of feel like that's been an advantage because it's sort of like single piece flow really elevates all ways. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm so bad at it that it's kind of like I need to systemize right, it. Like you cannot rely on no. your just personal skill. Exactly. And so yeah. like the people who can, like that's great. Um, I guess maybe, yeah. um, it works for them. It works. But it then does. I'm like, Oh, do you like what happens if you go on vacation? And they're like, well, you know, I order stuff while on vacation or like I don't take vacations, but there's just, it doesn't seem like that plays that that's ranks very highly on people's, um, a lot of people's list is like not being super reliant on individual, like really skilled individuals. Yeah. Um, even though that's like such a risk to the business. Yeah. And also like if you have a really good operator, like don't you want to, systemize what they're doing so they can move on to the next thing to systemize that and so on. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's very interesting. Those are the, the big, the big gains to me. Yeah. When I look at this and I think making that argument to people purely on time will always be a challenge. It's funny. It's not such a challenge, but lately my argument is definitely like we will save you like just in time. Our product is going to save you money. Uh huh. But even more than that, you get all these other effects. Like, um, I think there's time savings elsewhere that people don't think about, like walking across the shop to tell someone, Hey, we need to get more gloves. Right. Like they don't really think about that. Um, but then also just like a reliable system that you can train people on easily that someone else can step in if someone's on vacation and like stuff keeps moving and there's good documentation just inherently by running that system. And, yeah. um, anyway, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to talk to people who are like really, really, really like not square one and like a negative, I don't know. It's, it's easy to lose sight of like where we started, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of on the topic of the, the edge cases and 80% yeah. thing and like how we often throw the baby out with the bathwater. Cause we're like, this isn't gonna, it's not a complete solution, not a complete solution. I, um, as I've mentioned a bunch of times, like our work mix has changed drastically over, uh-huh. over the last four months, basically four to six months. Okay. Um, so I'm contemplating buying different machines, selling machines. Like how can we better approach the work that we're taking? Interesting. But I had not actually done any, you know, 
actual analysis. This is is all on a, on a gut check. Yeah. Um, so I did a little, I'm going to open up the sheet here real quick. Did you do a little going and seeing? I did some going and seeing. Wow. What's Genshi Genbutsu? Is that what it is? (laughs) I think that's right. Um, so I did a little, it was like, I tried to do like an in-depth analysis and I was like, this is going to, I only have half an hour. Like can't, can't quite do that. Um, but I did a simple thing of like, Oh, nice. Were they a good fit for us in size or too big? Did they need mill turn work and did they need five axis work? This is awesome. And got a simple. So for everyone listening, um, we are currently looking at a spreadsheet with four columns one says good, the next is too big, needs <laughs> mill turn, and needs five axis. And then it's just a bunch of ones in the column that it fits in for each job, I guess. Yeah. And there's a lot of ones in that left column. Yeah. So, which was kind of cool to yeah. realize. There is, um, what is it? It's not like confirmation bias here, but this was only of work that we won. Right. Yeah. So if you quoted it because it was a huge pain in the ass, it's yeah. not in this sample if I didn't win the job. Right. Um, it's not in this sample. So that is going to skew things slightly. True. Yeah. Um, but what I kind of came to, which was kind of cool when, and not so surprising was that like things that were a good physical fit for our, our machines that we have right now was 87, 88% of our work basically. Okay. 13% of it I considered to be too big for our machines. So basically what I just tallied Doesn't this the, add up to more than a hundred. Um, yeah, it's not like the, the too big and the good add up to a hundred. Oh, and gotcha. And the needs mill turn and needs five axis are a percentage of the whole. I got it. I see. Yeah. So it kind of came away with it that like, oh, cool. Needs mill turn is basically 17% of our work and needs five axis is 27% of our work. Okay. Which, you know, I'm kind of contemplating like, do we buy a mill turn? Do we buy a five axis? Right. Do we buy something that could do a little bit of both? This was a good kind of uh, breakdown to be like, oh, these are some relatively hard numbers that kind of point in a direction. And I do feel like 27% of our work requiring five axis to do efficiently. Right. Like obviously we did all this work. Yeah. But these were jobs where I was like, wow, that would have been so much easier and probably better quality if we'd had five axis. Um, definitely points to like a, this is probably something worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if that number was 50%, I'd be like, I'm in a bad position, I right. would think. And 27% is kind of like, I think you should be thinking about this. But it was good to actually have these numbers instead of just be, you know, kind of staring at stuff and being like, no, I don't know, is it 5% of our work? It's just that 5% right. really like gets elevated because it sucks. Yeah. Or is it 10%? Is it 70%? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting. And yeah, I this was actually spreadsheet number two because I started complicated spreadsheet number one and got like three columns <laughs> in and I was like, I'm going to be here for all day. This is not, right. this is not an effective way to That's super uh, cool. approach this problem. Yeah. Um, that is sort of a, a, a seamless transition into, um, so our friend Avi teaches a class at UW. Uh-huh. It's, um, anyway, I'm, gi- I'm giving a guest lecture on like rapid prototyping. Yeah. And this idea of like a suitable level of, 
uh, resolution of the prototype. Like yeah. this spreadsheet is so informative and then like maybe there are follow-up questions, but it's easy. It's so easy to like scope creep your, yeah. Oh, well that's missing this factor. So let me add a column for that. And then it's like three days later <laughs> and you realize that that actually didn't really do what you thought it would do and you haven't finished it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so you sort of have nothing instead of like, spending an appropriate like sort of i don't know like a an appropriate amount of time for like where you're at in the investigation yeah um yeah makes a lot of sense um i think we've talked about this on the podcast but basically just gonna really hammer home the like uh i have a bunch of stories that are hammering home the the idea of like don't get out over your skis and i feel like it's so easy to do it yeah um and just like what problem are you trying to solve right now? Like what's the highest risk item in this project? And then like just going after that. Yeah. And like, it doesn't need to be fully integrated into a working full prototype. It's just like, can we do this one piece? <laughs> yeah. Um, in designing the future, they were, t- I, I reread it. Um, in designing the future, they were talking about like a robotic, uh, arm company that builds robotic arms for at the bottom of the sea. Oh, uh-huh. um, and they had a, a new arm they were trying to develop and they were sort of like finalizing the CAD models. And there was a lot of questions around like routing hydraulic hoses Mm -hmm. and they can't like get tangled or kink right in any configuration. And so everyone was like, yep, looks good. Looks good. Except for like one, you know, old timer who was kind of like, eh, how do we know? We're not sure. Hard to say. Yeah. And so the, the lead on the project, like that just sort of stuck in his head and he was like, you know, I'm just going to like go into the shop and cut up some plywood and stick it together and just like mock this thing up. Yeah. Just to like kind of <laughs> make sure before we yeah spend a huge amount of money. And like he got, you know, 10 minutes into sticking parts of bits of wood together and just realized like for sure it's not going to work. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah anyway just like reducing that confidence of like what do we actually know for sure and normally it's very little yeah um i have been dealing with this we've been continuing on our um our tool organization system and yeah you know it's or it's blossomed (laughs) it's more than it's more than that now um but it's been interesting in that i feel like I feel like I was intentionally trying to keep things simple and not over com- overly complicate. Okay. And now into it, I wish we would have done that even more. Keeping it simple. Yeah. Hmm. Like, like what? Like some of the numerical and we've gone over this like ad nauseum at this point. Right. But the fact that I did any kind of groupings at all at this point, I'm like, that was a bad move. Interesting. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. So it's easy to go in and be like, ooh, this is fancy. Imagine that. Yeah. And not like, well, let's cross that bridge when we get there or something. Yeah. Um, huh. Do you think there was like a, sh- a, a smaller, quicker prototype of the system that would have been informative to do? Like to sort of like spend two hours actually. It's a good question. Like dealing with tools and being like, let's try this system and now go put it away and now get it. And Probably. now. Probably. I think it's one of those things like it's a 2020 hindsight scenario where, yeah. And I kind of knew this, but I like just didn't have the experience to totally to get, to think through the edge cases. It's kind of interesting to, to think through how we would have developed an experiment. Right. 
probably just like picking tools and seeing how they would, you know, assigning numbers and then like experimenting. Right. We probably could have figured it out, but I feel like I've learned a lot, which is really cool in how organizational systems, all the different, like I feel like every week I'm like, Oh, there's actually this one other thing that the system is actually doing. Interesting. Um, but you know, we are where we are now. Totally. And we're, we're dialing it back. But I, I think what's super cool about designing the future is that yes, you've learned a lot about um, like the organizational systems. I think in Toyota's case that they were doing like continuous improvement on their design process as well. Yeah. And so like they were learning not just like how do we make better cars or whatever, but how do we make a better process for making better cars? Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know. So it, it, it's, it, it all, it rarely feels like a good use of time is the, the reality, right? What does the if, if one of your, Yeah. If you're like, Hey guys, let's, as a shop stop for five hours uh-huh. and like, just play around with tools and like imagine different scenarios and try them. Uh-huh. You'd be like, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably a good idea. Let's not do it. Yeah. I it's so There's hard that. To, I, I put a note in here that like, I think it's super important to start your systems out early. Mm-hmm. and start them out simple like maybe i'm wrong here i'm sure somebody will come up with counterpoints mm-hmm. but i don't think there's very instances where adding complexity is hard right like if you get into a system and you're like actually we need this other division right like i think those those are tend to be simple to create but going the other direction is really hard yeah and if you start your sim- your system simple and early you learn a lot and you can always build from there. But now we're in this, we're, you know, many years deep into me personally ordering tools Mm -hmm. and a few years deep into some sort of an organizational system. And then trying to like kind of back into that again and overlay a new system on top of those old systems in a way that meshes is it gets pretty messy and it's a lot of work. Interesting. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Like the, the I don't know. The, the, it's something I've thought about quite a bit. The like implementing new systems. I don't know. We, this has been a recurring theme, but like not deciding on a direction and then going with it, but like deciding on a direction for an experiment and mm-hmm. going with it. Like let's okay. This I think this is an improvement, but like it's not production. Like we're not. This is not what we're doing yet. Yeah. Um, just because it is so hard to change direction, and there is so much time that goes into each version kind of if you do it like full on yeah it's kind of hard with some of these things too i think you know i think like you read about toyota trialing a new method or something Mm. on like a single line right or you know a single part (laughs) of a single line (laughs) yeah and i'm like that's cool but we're just have like, one line. You know, <laughs> yeah. One line. We only have this many tools, and like totally having two systems in place simultaneously is just chaos. I don't know. Maybe it would have been I, worthwhile to try. Yeah, that. I think it is. I think the thing that's tough is that I, I I sort of suspect that like we down we sort of downplay the downsides. Yeah. Of the failures because they weren't foreseen mm-hmm. and and like increase the. Um, like this idea that like who could have seen it coming 
Yeah. I don't know. In, in the world of sort of like system improvement, it's like you go deep in one direction and then at the end you're like, okay, well we just learned a tremendous amount. So how cool is that? Yeah. It's like, well, that is cool, but you have spent a lot of <laughs> resources on developing that one experiment. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would guess like much like your spreadsheet here that like spending more time on lower fidelity versions of things is like almost always a pretty solid payoff. Uh-huh. That uh, just my guess. And uh, I don't know. More it's always time hard to do on more lower fidelity versions. Yeah. Just yeah. like, Oh, here's our scheme. Great. Let's make a, a shitty version that's written on post-it notes on our kitchen table. Yeah. And then like, like war game it it's like all right now go put this tool away and <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean i i've not not to criticize you we we no, do the no, same yeah. the same thing exactly uh time and time again <laughs> yeah it's tough um i so in thinking through kind of like talking about low fidelity prototyping or high, you know rapid prototyping maybe that would be a better name actually what what if you just called it low fidelity prototyping instead of rapid prototyping it sort of set the expectation correctly. Yeah. You're like, this is what we're doing. It's not like you just do what people normally do, but faster. And right. Like <laughs> and you're not just 3D printing, which I feel like is now what everyone means. By sure. rapid prototyping. Yeah. It's like, make it really, really crappy. Because um, I think there's a lot of like organizational trust that needs to be established. Yeah. Between workers and managers and even managers and their managers. Like it takes, I don't know, it's easy to look stupid if you show up to like a board meeting with a bunch of cardboard with a bunch of cardboard and masking tape but like often that's where you're at and so like the fact that you've just spent another 500 hours building that level of knowledge about the solution but with like really fancy materials yeah um yeah so like uh i don't know i think i've been thinking about it like how do you establish that trust as a manager and not just establish that trust but also if someone comes to you like i've had this a few times and i don't know i'd be curious to hear your thoughts (laughs) when someone comes to you with something that just feels too polished for where you're at Uh and you sort of want to be like no that's like you don't want to say like you did a bad job because it's good right but it's good in the wrong direction is basically the problem Uh that it typically is good in the wrong direction so they've gone further they should have checked in for feedback sooner or like tested the thing sooner. And so it's, all, but, but at the same time, you're sort of like, well, good job. Like you did a, you uh-huh. did good work, it's but in the we need wrong right direction. Yeah. So I, I, I've, I don't know, trying to establish that like habit for people of like doing the crappy version, doing the hand sketch, making it in cardboard and tape. Um, but it, it takes some, I don't know if balls are quite the word, but like to show up to someone like, you know, here's my deliverable is something that looks like crap. Right. Is weird, but is way more effective in terms of like dollars and learning like dollars per learning or dollars per progress or something. Yeah. I wonder if it's the, it's, if it's a universal thing or if it's like endemic to sort of our Western culture and kind of infatuation with, with shiny polished stuff. Cause right. Like if you, Again, sort of like zooming out. If someone shows up to a board meeting with a bunch of cardboard, yeah, and everybody's only looking at the cardboard, 
and they're comparing the cardboard to the machined version, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's an easy, like, Oh, well this one sucks compared to that one. Right. But as soon as you were to start asking the person questions about where this goes in the future, the likelihood, at least based on our postulation here, is that the person who's done 40 cardboard versions right. will have 10 times as many answers as the person who's done one metal version. Yeah, and like much better reasoning behind all the features and right. the adjustments. Yeah. And it, maybe it's just like our infatuation with physical things more than like the fact that this person has the knowledge to carry us forward to where we want to end up um, and recognizing that as being the value yeah. And not the physical thing as being the value. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you instill that kind of cultural shift, especially right. in people who sell physical goods for a living. But even if it's like ideas, I just think there's, um, you almost need to, okay. If, if someone has resolved all details before presenting something, mm-hmm. then that is considered to be a good thing, right? You have an answer for everything. You are, sure. you know exactly whatever, but like that sort of inherently means that you went too far without checking in with the user, with the customer, with the market, with mm. whoever, right? Like it is almost, it, it is bad because you have spent time. I don't know. I always think about like dead reckoning versus like constant feedback. Yeah. And dead reckoning the risk is that you've headed in the wrong direction between like checking back in mm-hmm. right like a pid loop we've talked about that yeah and like if you have feedback every second on an oven the temperature is much more likely to be correct at any given point but if you wait you know three months between check-ins uh-huh. <laughs> it could be you could have burnt muffins, I guess. After three months, um, hopefully you have burnt muffins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very dry. Um, I don't know. But I, I don't know as a manager how to sort of um, make corrections in that direction because it's a weird idea. It's like, hey, I hate how polished this is. Like, you are a skilled person, and I want you to bring mm-hmm. less of that skill to bear because it may be in well, the I think wrong that's direction. not really it. And mm-hmm. kind of going back to like Toyota improvement kata, I think the question there as like someone who's coaching, yeah. which effectively you are, is is not like, again, not focused on the physical thing. It's like, did you answer the question effectively that this physical thing was supposed to answer? Right. Like, what was your hypothesis <coughs> with this? What was it meant to test? Yeah. And it should become clear that either they did an amazing job. That's a very good point. And this is the product of them having done an amazing job, or they completely right. missed the mark. In which case, Actually, if yeah. they missed the mark, like, you're not giving the feedback. Like, right, you're not having to tell them they suck because they made something nice, right? You're yeah. like, well, that wasn't really what we were trying to achieve here. Right. That's clear to That's everybody. That's true. Staying focused on the question that they were trying to answer sort of takes the wind out of the sails of like, well, at least it looks really nice. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, what was the que- What? Yeah. What was the question that you're trying to answer? Yeah. And then, I, you know, help me understand what this prototype like why does that help answer that question yeah or and there is also that leaves the that leaves an opening for the possibility that they answered the question very effectively 
and they did do their really a really good job on that front I and think they so. made something amazing yes but um long term so like i went to design school yeah and maybe i'm flattering myself here but like <laughs> i think most of my designs were pretty solid that uh-huh. i presented but i think my process uh, like we were just talking about with like being dyslexic and so you can just like you can't lean like yeah if you can lean on the fact that you're just like a good intuitive problem solver mm-hmm. then actually it leaves room for less for a less good process sure and i think it's same same here it's like i don't actually care if you guessed and you're really good and so you got it right yeah yeah i like that's cool i guess like that's why we hired you right because you're like clever and good but like (laughs) you still really need that process um so like i do feel like going through design school i and i didn't really understand at the time but like my professors were sort of like yeah who cares if it's better than the other ones in the room Uh uh-huh i mean not all of them but like right i feel like they were normally quite well thought out but they were kind of like well who cares yeah and i was like well isn't the goal to make a good thing and at the time, I think I just didn't understand. It's like, no, the goal is to make a reliable process. Like, yeah. that's the goal. To learn how to make good things. To learn how to make good things reliably. Yeah. 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 It's like, I, I don't know. So, hmm. I think, I think yeah, I like that. Just like the, the, the critique is kind of like, what was the question we're trying to answer? Yeah. And then did the thing you build help answer that question? And then are there any frills on that that have nothing to do with answering that question? In which case, like, that was sort of, we could have done this test a week ago. Yeah. I think I also have found myself not, not like constantly, but occasionally sort of leaning on the, is this actually actionable? Mm -hmm. Like someone might present to continue with this metaphor of like this highly polished physical, whatever muffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Muffin. Shiny muffin. And <clears throat> you know, someone may present this like amazing muffin. <laughs> like this is going to be our product. Right. Yeah. And you're like, cool. That's a great muffin. We don't have an oven. Right. Right now. So let's make a muffin, a muffin that we can make that we can effectively bake without an oven. Yeah. Right. Like maybe we have a toaster oven right now. Right. So if we're going to make muffins, they have to be muffins that we make in a toaster oven. Yeah. That's our goal right now. Not the most amazing muffin. Yeah. And I think that also takes the focus off of like a a personal critique. Mm. It takes the focus off of, um, it lets them sort of like, (laughs) what am I trying to say? I feel like it lets your person, it lets you give recognition for the fact that they designed an amazing muffin and it's just not the muffin we need right now, you know? Right. And it's not the muffin that solved the question we're trying to ask right now, which is how do we reliably make muffins with a toaster oven that people want to eat and buy? Yeah. Right. And it sort of seems like coming back to, uh, to Toyota improvement Kata stuff, like, you're design you yeah you're designing these scientific experiments and the results don't lie and it doesn't have to be about whether someone was good at their job or whether we all like their design or whatnot it's just like did it answer the question yeah effectively yeah and then you're ramping up to the an- the i mean with products you're ramping up to the the grand the the culmination of all those questions is like will people buy the thing for the money you need yeah. And then ideally, are they excited about that? Right. Like, are they telling their friends? Um, yeah. We're dealing with this with systems where it's like, okay, we can both see that there is a world in which having, right, like 
a QR scannable thing that automatically populates a list and automatically yeah. sends an order and what a lot of would be really cool. Yeah. But then dialing it back, it's like, okay, well how many hours do we have between the two of us to make this happen? Yeah. Do we have all the, do we even have access to all the information that would allow that system to function? Right. Hmm. I don't think so. So we got to do something that works now. Yeah. Let's make it work now. And even in making it work now, like, I don't know with, I mean, this, that's a very real example. Um, we have a few times been like, great, let's go. And then pr- spent a bunch of time like printing out these cards. And then two days later, we're like, yeah, hmm, major overhaul of the whole system getting way better yeah, and super excited about it. But now we have to reprint all those cards. And actually, if we had just printed five cards, <laughs> we would have been able to find out the same stuff. Yeah. And it's so easy to get ahead of yourself and be like, wow, great. Like, let's implement this instead of like, let's trial this. Yeah. Like, I guess the question with each with each version is kind of like. I mean, the question has to be at least, is this good? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, are there things we're not seeing yet like what are ways we can find out workflows that this doesn't quite meet um instead of being excited about the thing you think it does and like focusing on that sort of like what else might it not do well before we print another 50 of of these bad boys yeah Um, i don't know so is this just becoming the like make it crappy podcast is that we should rename it uh uh, yeah, probably. I mean, make it crappy <laughs> make a it thousand crappy times. Over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very telling that like someone who's very experienced, you know, I mean, this is kind of what we're trying to do actually. Exactly. Someone who's very, very experienced, like, and you show them like, I don't know when you're getting into like woodworking and you show someone like your joinery that you're very impressed with and they're like, yeah. Like, yeah, there's that issue. And you're like, oh, what? And it's like, well, you have like some glue squeeze out here. And like, you have some tear out from like your dull blade or you're not going over, you know, like on and on and on. And like what they're able to see in that Uh is at such a high level because of all the reps they have. And so like, essentially you're, you should always be aiming to make something crappy because that says something about like your ability to perceive and see and your ability to execute and your, those are constantly increasing together. Yeah. I think is kind of like, and, and then, I mean, there was another great quote that I think we were trying to save for another time by Mark Twain, uh-huh. um, that I don't remember exactly, but it was <laughs> like, uh, Oh no, now I'm not remembering. Pull it up. Yeah. Pull it up. It was like to get, um, the best way to get good is to get started. Where is it? Anyway, the secret like of that. getting ahead, getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable tasks and starting on the first one. Yeah. So the a prototype should be a sub. It's that last part, right? A prototype yeah. should be like a subtask, and right. then you're like, "Did I solve that? Yeah. Yes, I did. Great. <laughs> Any fixes I would make. And then it's like on to the next one and the next one. And then you sort of bring them together. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, something to get better at. Always. I have a small, uh, just kind of interesting sidebar. Yeah. Um, considering rearranging our shop. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is like me considering buying another CNC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and when we first when we first moved into the shop space and kind of laid out the flow you were kind of like i think maybe you should do this and, and uh, now now a while into it i'm like i think maybe we should have done that well that's gratifying but not very helpful yeah I guess. um and it's kind of interesting i've been dipping back into that job shop lean book uh-huh oh cool and it's uh the chapter i'm in right now is talking about sort of like the different sorts of layouts and their benefits and drawbacks. Interesting. That's cool. Um, so the traditional shop layout, not lean. So what's Ricard re, re, uh, referred to as a functional layout as, okay. as in things are arranged by function, right? Like lathe department, mill department. Yeah. Cutting. Yeah. Um, and you know, the kind of the book starts out as like, you should not do that mm-hmm. and go towards a cell type layout. Um, but an interesting thing that was brought up recently in the book is that like, they both have their pros and cons. Right. And that a functional layout is extremely versatile in that um, sure. you have basically an infinite number of routings in the shop. Right. Whereas a cell layout, basically, it ha- th- whatever you run through that cell, it either needs to use all the machines or the machines will be idle when they if mm, they are not that's being a, used. Right. Whereas in a, um, a functional layout anything can go from any one machine to any other machine in the shop. That feels very much like embracing the chaos stage. It's more like, um, cause like you never know where it's going to go. And it's like, well, is there like an 80%? Right. Right. Like is 80% of our work one basic flow. Yes. And then we can sort of violate that cell system for the 20%. Right. And that is the question. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was kind of an interesting tidbit. That, yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of this book is about these softwares that basically analyze your, your job mix to design cells based on what those actual Whoa. breakdowns look like, which I'm kind of like, well, it's not, <laughs> we're not there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, it's also, it's, it was just kind of good to keep that in mind um, in how I lay out the shop. So basically, right. Like being aware of that trade off curve between. Yeah. I mean, that's generally true that, um, as you re as you optimize for, as your optimization for a particular thing goes up, the generalization goes down. Yeah. Kind of generally true. And basically you're trading, uh, and the flow you get increased throughput for, uh, uh, yeah, less, less versatility the other way higher versatility but it promotes batch and queue style production right and more complex routing anyway all this where all this was going towards when we laid out the shop i was very much focused on material flow okay part flow in the shop and having been there for a while now i'm like parts don't move that often oh interesting (laughs) i mean they do but but like you walking back and forth is a much bigger factor. We move a lot. Right. And there's a happy medium in there for sure where you don't want to make sure. the like part flow and chip flow insane. Insane. Yeah. But we really but it it yeah, it really just they don't move that much. Um interesting. In part because I think we are more batch and queue. Right. And like right we like flow in little chunks. Yep. And then batch or and then transfer transfer um so it's just kind of interesting now to be a few months into it mm-hmm. four four months going on five in the yeah. new space um 
and realizing that kind of, again, it's easy to focus on the physical things and totally yeah miss the forest for the trees and not think about how much everything else in the shop moves. And it's a right. Lot. That's interesting. Right. Like there's two spaghetti maps. One is the people and one is the parts. Yeah. And as you, I don't know if this is inherently true, but as you're bringing one up, like as you're optimizing for one, it is maybe, is it always at the cost of the other? Probably not. I think it's probably not. I think that also goes back to, this might be like a yin and yang thing. Like how do you get both kind of? Yeah. It probably, it's like optimization will reduce both. Or like, right. like improvements can target both. They can target both. And I think also the closer you can get to flow, probably right. The better both will be true. Uh, um, I, I, I'm thinking like a specific example would be like walking parts to a tumbler. Yeah. But then through improvement, you might be able to deburr them in the machine for much less total system cost. Sure. Like if you're paying people to walk over there and paying people to change the filters and all the things yeah yeah interesting yeah so that's just uh i don't know if you're gonna arrange a new shop (laughs) think about how you move yeah i'm i'm wondering like how would you test that that would be another interesting one yeah i think there's also going to be some ways we can just mitigate a little bit like do you lay out a model and then like imagine a day and like walk your little lego man around it's like (laughs) no i'm gonna go do I don't think so. I mean, I think we are sort of, we may not need to rearrange the shop right now. Yeah. I think in part, it's just highlighting some issues Yeah, that I think we can tackle in other ways aside from just moving things to Mm -hmm. be more proximal. Interesting. Right. Like we have this whole setup cart concept, which we're going to start on short. Like I ordered the stuff we haven't assembled. So like there's a lot of back and forth right now that doesn't need to be there. What are the carts? Um, they will be like a maker pipe. No, I ordered some half height sheet pan racks. Oh, nice. The half oh, cool. height, half width. You found, I found not with wheels, but I found. Okay. And then, uh, some dollies or something ordered. I just, we just got one to test it. Wow. Out. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, you don't want to save on shipping and get full send 10. No, we're going to try it out. Make sure it works. See if Smart. it's, it's used. Yeah. Um, and see if we want to make changes idea being that basically tooling and uh material gets staged on a cart when it's mm. prepped for a job and Very then the cool. whole cart goes to the to the machine. Ooh, I feel like doing that is going to like unlock a whole host of new like improvements to be made. Yeah, I think so. Like the queuing and timing and yeah. yeah. I think it's going to also serve as a Kanban indicator. Right. Like the queue of carts at different stations kind of, or, uh, like when a job tag moves to a cart, it's like, this is ready to roll mm. kind of a thing. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Very so cool. We'll update as, yeah. as we proceed. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I've in talking to a lot of these companies, I've been talking through some solutions and your job board has definitely come up more than once. Uh huh. And it's making me realize that like we have a lot of uh, stuff we could and should kind of share. Every time I post a video of like oh. the thing I'm doing, I feel like I get a lot of really helpful <laughs> um, comments. <laughs> also a lot of unhelpful comments, but yeah. 
yeah but it's always i'm like oh man like i mean some of them are really small things but you're like that is such an easy win um anyway yeah thanks on that topic on that that note um yeah thanks all for listening as always as always uh we have a patreon please consider checking it out the link is in the comments um you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing on instagram and austere mfg.com on the internet you can find me at lichen underscore mfg on instagram lichenprecision.com on the internet you can find the pod at incremental ci on instagram and we will see you next week